I'm really excited to uh, talk with you guys uh, this morning on a, a really fun subject, the Sabbath. I uh, drove to Knoxville last night for a quick uh, thing with my aunt who I hadn't seen in a few years and told her what I was doing. She was like, oh, that should be easy because nobody practices the Sabbath anymore. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, you're, you're probably right. Um, so this morning, uh, I want to, I'm praying that this will just cut through um, perhaps some of the cultural norms that we have found ourselves stuck in, but also um, bring great conviction and great hope. So uh, I want to do a little bit of this interactively with you. Uh, this morning. So I'll ask some questions and I'll let you know and I want you to answer. So let's try that. First of all, what does the most, kind of if you could imagine your most productive work week, what would that look like? Open question. Looking for answers. I know this is different. Mountain Fellowship's almost used to this. Yes. All your homework, nice, all your homework will be finished by thanks, yeah, or before the, before the week, uh, weekend comes, you'd have it all done, great. Let me give you an example, for me, it would be miraculous if I actually had a zero in my inbox for my email, miraculous. You second that one? Okay, anything else, like what would a the perfect productive week look like for you at work? No one yelling at you. Okay. All right. The to-do list is done. Yeah, great. Students can answer too. What's, the, what's a great week for you at school? Yes. Yeah, getting them all your chores done. Very good in the week. You can come to my house when you're done with yours. Yeah, good. Did you have one too? No? Okay. Yeah, anybody else? One more. Share one more. What's, what's a really, really, like, the perfect week look like? Good. Yeah. Y'all have definitely had that this year. Yeah. Jada says, nobody getting sick. Uh, for a week. Yeah, there, there, you know, I love the fact that Jennifer just capped off this really beautiful picture of creation. God has, says in, in Genesis chapter 2, right? So let, let's, uh, let's look at God's word in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to kind of just Crack open a few verses here and hit this this morning. Uh, will you stand with me as we read God's Word? I know you just got cozy and comfy, sorry. All right, this is, uh, this is God's Word. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished His work, that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
So God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus, thank you for uh, just a few minutes to open your word and to look at what it means to find rest for our weary souls. We give this time to you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. God's just finished the most, you ready for this? God, we've been reading through Genesis, studying through Genesis. God has just finished the most remarkably productive week in the history of the universe. He created the world and everything in it. Everything from constellations, universes, multiple universes, to things that creep and crawl on the ground, forces of gravity, air and water, plants, birds, fish, elephants, yes, even dinosaurs. Talk to me later if you want to about that. And tiny microscopic bacteria, DNA, RNA, and above all, human flesh. The complexity, like even consider the complexity of the eye and the movements of your eye and the, the, the flexing of the things in your eyeball that take in light and adjust in an instant. The nervous, the central nervous system. Jim remember, mentioned the, the, the heart, the electricity of the heart and the 60,000 miles worth of veins that are passing through your body, that are in your body. God has done the most productive, amazing week that's ever been done. And then, he rests. God rests. It should be a little bit perplexing to us, like Psalm 121 tells us that God never sleeps nor slumbers, so why does God rest? Is he physically exhausted? Is he tired? When you guys think of rest, what comes to mind? Sleeping? Anything else? Restoration? Certainly. Quiet? Okay. Yeah, there, there's, all those are true, right? But, but normally, we're thinking of physical exhaustion, right? Physical exhaustion is our bodies need a break, our minds are tired, they need to slow down, we just need a break. But for God, rest wasn't needed in those ways. For God, rest involved enjoyment and delight. Kind of like after you've ever done a painting or a drawing or you've played something or you've watched something and you've been part of building something, you just sit back and you relish in what's been created. You delight in it and you, you love it and you, you think about it. So I could imagine God's you know, you know, creating this universe and then just watching the dolphins play in the waves and watching 
watching the birds swooping through the air, watching, uh, watching lizards crawl on the ground, and watching uh, the sun rise and set and the constellations move, and God is just delighting in all of it. And he watches Adam and Eve as they're having conversation in the garden and they're doing life and they're tilling and working the ground and they're eating of trees and eating of the fruit of the ground. And just God is just delighting in his creation. So there's a sense of like rest and delight are kind of go hand in hand. They go together. So let, let me... Let me ask you to practice for a second. If, if this resting of God on the Sabbath day means, uh, literally means to stop. Okay, so I want you to sit back in the comfy chairs of the Bachman Center Auditorium uh, bleachers, benches here. And I just want you to contemplate for a minute. Just think about your week this last week. I want you to pick one moment of this week that you enjoyed. Look back at it. Maybe as as a mom, as a dad, as a grandparent, as a student. Just take a moment and enjoy the hands of your labor. Whether it's you finished a paper, you took a test, you sent a, a, an email that finished a project, built something that was done. See, I think that part of what's been robbed from us, we'll talk about this in a minute, is that we rarely ever do this. Our Western culture, Western civilization has us so bound to produce, produce, produce that we never stop to rest and enjoy what's been produced. Because there's always more that we need. There's always more that we got to go after. Do you ever just sit and rest in the enjoyment of the week that God is just giving you and glory and celebrate and stop. We rarely do this in the workplace. If you do this in your workplace, I applaud you. If you don't do this in your workplace, do it more often, where you just sit back and sit around and celebrate what God has done. Celebrate what's been done at your workplace that day. Celebrate what God's been done in that week. We simply stink at rest and enjoyment of what we've done. Because we are such in a hurry to get to the next thing that we never take time to rest. God just created the entire universe, all it is, and he rested, he enjoyed, he delighted in it. And then God says that he blessed the day and he made it holy. Interesting thoughts. We're going to talk about this just for a minute. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
He blessed a day. John Mark Comer brings this. I love this point that he brings out. I'm relying heavily on him in the sermon. But God blessed a day. What, is, what does it mean that he blessed a day for you? He made it holy, meaning to set it apart, to consecrate it. He made it really, really, really special day. One in seven is this really, really special day that God rested. And he's given it to you. He's blessed a day and made a day holy. That means that he's blessed time. There's this 24-hour period in the work week. One in seven, the design of God that you work six and you rest one. And he's specifically said that 24-hour period of that specific day of Sabbath rest is blessed And holy, he's blessed time and space in that moment for you. It's God's design that we take one day, 24-hour period, and rest. God's given that as a gift to us. It is a gift to have this beautiful presence This beautiful thing of 24 hours in one week that we can set aside just for us. God has given it just for us to find rest in him. To do what? What is rest? To stop and celebrate. To stop and celebrate. We're doing that here. We're celebrating. We're worshiping. We're celebrating what God has done in his creation, in his salvation. We're worshiping, celebrating that together, but it doesn't just stop here. It's to be done for 24 hours. A full 24 hours is the way God designed it. I want to I substitute the words stop and celebrate for Sabbath as I read through these. I think uh, this one, Exodus 20, might be in your bulletin. It says, remember... The stop and celebrate day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a stop and celebrate to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, your sojourner who is in your gates. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested On the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the stop and celebrate day and made it holy. Leviticus says, Six days you shall work and your work be done, but on the seventh day is a stop and celebrate day of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It is a stop and celebrate day to the Lord in all your dwelling places. Deuteronomy 5, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord God commanded you to keep the stop and celebrate day. So, the stop and celebrate day was designed for you. God gave you a day to stop all your labors, 
and to rest. We're going to go into some application of that in a minute and what that looks like. So here's what happens. God gives this commandment to his people Israel, and they start uh, messing it up like we're good at. Right, they kind of they don't, um, you know, they, they grow uh, where they're not celebrating the Sabbath anymore. They're not resting anymore. They're doing labor on the Sabbath. So along comes this party. Uh, you've probably heard of their names. They're like a political party. Uh, they're Republican. No, not Republican. Demo- no, not Democrat. Libertarian. No, not Libertarians. Oh, Pharisees. That's their name. You know that name? Y'all know that name, right? Pharisee, the Pharisee party came along, this religious sect party came along, and they started making up these rules. So this, is, uh, this was quite humorous to me as we, I read some of these. So I want to read a few of these to you. Uh, some of the laws and the rules that they had come up with because they saw that God's people weren't keeping the rest, the stop and celebrate day anymore. So they said, hey, we're going to get the people to really, really follow this day because God's given it to them for their good, for their benefit. It's for them. So we're going to make up some rules to force them to do this and it'll really, really help them rest. Okay? So here's what's called the Mishnah. This is not in scripture, but these are extra rules that the Pharisees put on top of the Sabbath day. So so imagine you're living first century And here's some of the things that you can't do or can do on the Sabbath. You ready for these? All right, here we go. So the standard measure for forbidden food that you could eat was the size of an olive. Just as that of carrying burdens was the weight of a fig. If a man had swallowed forbidden food of the size of half an olive, rejected it, and again eaten the size of half an olive, he would be guilty because the palate had already tasted food to the size of the whole olive. Got that? So you couldn't eat a piece of food that was any bigger than half of an olive, and if you did, and even if you realized it was too big and you regurgitated it up, your taste buds had already had it, so you're already guilty of the sin and you've broken the Sabbath. Got it? All right, here's the one crazy one. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, The tailor or scribe um, couldn't uh, couldn't make his, uh, a teacher might not allow his pupils to read if he himself had looked on the book. All you kids are like, sweet, we don't have to do the, and then it says all these are precautionary measures. The tailor or scribe carrying his ordinary means of employment might forget the advent of the holy day and the person examining a dress might kill insects, which is strictly forbidden on the Sabbath. And a teacher might move a lamp to see better while the pupils were not supposed to be so zealous as to do this. So you couldn't even kill insects on the Sabbath. Okay, here's another funny one. An egg may not be boiled by putting it in near a hot kettle, nor in a cloth, nor in a stand heated by the in the sand heated by the sun. So you couldn't boil an egg, couldn't even put it out in the sand to let it heat up. 
among many others uh, raised was this, whether a parent might be able to pick up their child in their arms. Happily, rabbinic literally uh, went so far as not only to allow this, but even the supposed case that the child might happen to have a stone in its hand, although this would involve the labor of carrying that stone. So they would have broken the Sabbath. So if you go to pick up your child and your child has a rock in their hand, and you pick your child up, then you've broken the Sabbath, according to the Mishnah and the Pharisees. Okay? Um, One more. I love this one. Women were forbidden to look into the glass, into a glass on the Sabbath, because they might discover a white hair and attempt to pluck it out which would be a grievous sin. But men ought not to use a looking glass even on weekdays because this was undignified. So women, no looking into glasses or mirrors and plucking white hairs today on the Sabbath. You will break the law. Okay, so it's crazy, right? That's how far the Pharisees went to say, Man, we've got to recapture this Sabbath rest, this stop and celebrate day for our people. And man, they just had messed it up big time. How do you react to those? What do you all think about those? You could probably actually come up with one yourself, and it's probably in here somewhere. What do you, what's your reaction to those? To, to what? To a little too far. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Created to fail. I sat as I was reading this whole document. I was like, man, I would just like sit in a chair all day and not move. I didn't want to break the Sabbath. Yeah, there was even one like even if you had a baby in a carriage, and you were. As long as the carriage didn't make, wasn't heavy enough to create a furrow in the ground, um, you were okay. But if it created a furrow in the ground, then you were doing agricultural work. and You were guilty of the Sabbath. I mean, crazy stuff, right? So that, to give you all those examples, just to set up for you uh, the reality of, of this story in the Gospels, which Jesus, you've probably heard this story before. So Jesus is in the, walking in the grain fields on the Sabbath with his, with his disciples. And his disciples are hungry. So they reach down and they grab a handful of grain. And guess what they do with the grain? They start doing this with the grain. Uh-oh, they're working on the Sabbath. Because they're grinding at the mill is what the Pharisees would say. That's in here too, right? You can't even take up a hand of grain and grind it in your hand because it's considered work. And then what you would have to do after grinding whatever grain it was, you would have to kind of toss it up and let and blow the chaff away so that you could eat the seed. But they'd broken the law because that was considered winnowing. So you see the absurdity with which people had taken this stop and celebrate day, this Sabbath day. And so they tell Jesus this, 
your, your, how can you let your disciples do this? And I love what Jesus says in Mark 2, 27, 28. Jesus said to, him, said to them, and only the wisdom that Jesus could bring, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So I just want to do these in uh, just this comparison. Not man for the Sabbath. That's what the Jesus was just striking right at these guys. That that man was made, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, man can't dictate the things like you're dictating to be done on the Sabbath because it was created for man by God. It's God's design, not yours. So I thought I was just thinking about when uh, the Sabbath, the stop and celebrate day, is neglected um, or taken to these legalistic levels. What kind of damage it can do? Okay, I want you to think. This is where I really want to drill down just to, in our closing time together for a few minutes. I really want to drill down on this, what Jesus is saying here. That the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. In other words, our abuse of the Sabbath by not honoring a day of rest, which we're all guilty of, we're all horrible in here, right? If, there, if you're here this morning and you're really a strict Sabbatarian, I really deeply respect you after studying and preparing for this sermon. So I'm like, I am not. I'm just awful at it. My family's awful at the Sabbath. We don't really do what God has designed to help me in this gift. So I want you to think about what, it, what is the impact if you just take this one principle that God has set up, a stop and celebrate day, and we don't do it. What has been the impact on our culture and on us? What's the impact in your life? It's like any other day. Yeah. Anybody else? If, if, it's all up to you. What do you mean by that, Lane? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I can't pause long enough because if I stop, something might not happen that might fix the rest of the week where God, yeah, where I've got to provide this or that. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, we're exhausted. Everybody in here is exhausted. Let's just be upfront about it. There's nobody in here that goes, man, you know, I just feel really rested. <laughs> nobody ever says that. Here's another word that really annoys me. I do it. I was talking to a friend Friday morning at a Bible study. How you doing? Man, I'm just so busy. I hate that word. You know why I hate it? Because what it does, it says... Like it's this word of approval that our culture has created. Because if you don't say you're busy, what's the conclusion? 
You're lazy. Yeah, you all said it. I mean, good grief, how far we've come from a day of rest, from a restful life, that really the day of rest impacts the rest. So if I tell you that I'm not busy, automatically I know insecurely in my own life that you're going to think that I'm not working productively. And golly, I raise support for my life. And for me to go tell a supporter that I'm not busy, whoa, like they're wasting their money, giving money to me. Go in and tell your boss that you're not busy. He'll give you more work. Just the culture of that is, is really poisonous. It's a lie that keeps us from resting and keeps this insane pace that we can't ever stop. It's not working, right? Mental health is skyrocketing. There's lots of reasons for that. But I would say a primary reason is because we've stopped practicing the Sabbath. We don't stop and celebrate. We don't stop. Stop. We don't we just don't do it. We're restless. And our culture and the evil one just keeps grinding away at us. Just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. Isn't it interesting that we have actually created in our culture, our culture has created the stop celebrates for us because we aren't doing them ourselves. We're getting ready to have Thanksgiving break. Stop and celebrate. Then we're going to have Christmas break where the culture is forcing us to stop and celebrate. And then we're going to have spring break because we all need to stop and celebrate. And then we'll have fall break because we all need to stop and celebrate. Why do you think our culture is instituting all these breaks and stops in our school and work schedules? Because they realize that we're exhausted and it's killing all of us and none of us are practicing a Sabbath. Because our pace is just relentless. We're not stopping and celebrating. So our culture is reacting to it and saying, I'm going to give you a stop and celebrate week or day or a few days off. It's quite insane. It's quite interesting how culture is always adopting things that the Lord has given and twisting them a little bit. But even this one is somewhat of a good thing, right? So what do we do? We go, oh, wait, we got Thanksgiving break, we got Christmas break, fall break, spring break, all those breaks coming up, so let's go 6,000 miles per hour because I can make it to the break. And God is going, you're not designed for that. Your body, physically, mentally, emotionally, is not designed to keep the pace that our culture is pushing us in. It's not designed. Your body will shut down. I love the thing that John Mark Comer says. He says, the Sabbath will come to you in the form of rest or in the form of discipline. The Sabbath will come to you in the form of rest, whether you take that one day a week, those 24 hours to rest, or it will come to you in the form of discipline. In other words, God will force a Sabbath on you physically upon your body because your body can't handle the pace anymore. Your health will begin to break down. 
the stress level will get so high that your body is forced to rest. It's just God's design. So let's quit fighting against the design. How about that? Does that sound fun? So let's not give in to the man for the Sabbath, because everything I just described is man for the Sabbath. That's us doing what we should, what we think the Sabbath looks like, which is really no Sabbath at all. Jesus says it was for man. It's a gift given to you. Stopping and celebrating is God's design for humanity. Here's how, here's how loving, kind, and gentle, and, and thoughtful, and wise Jesus is about this stop and celebrate day. He loves you so much that when you and I don't stop and have a Sabbath each week, he knows that it'll catch up with us. He knows it'll catch up with us. And he says, I have come to set this day apart for man. It's designed for you to take a break, to rest and celebrate, to stop and celebrate. Stop and celebrate your work. Stop and celebrate his work. Stop and celebrate who he is. I wish we had, I don't have time to throw these questions out, but how often do you experience the Sabbath as God intended you to? I want to I do this uh, very quickly. So two minutes of an audio of John Mark Comer. I'm going to put it on this microphone for you. I just want you to listen to this. I'd love to get your reaction to this. And then rest and worship in whatever way is life-giving for your soul. My family and I do... Okay, wait, sorry. I need to preempt this. This is the what he does as a Sabbath practice, okay? So I want you to think about your Sabbath if you're taking a break or not. This every week, just before sunset on Friday, we finish up all our to-do lists and homework and grocery shopping and responsibilities, power down all our devices. We literally put them all in a box and stow it in a closet and gather around the table as a family. We open a bottle of wine, light some candles, read a psalm, pray. Then we feast, and we basically don't stop feasting for the next 24 hours. It's the Comer way. And I might add the Jesus way. We sleep in Saturday morning, drink coffee, read our Bibles, pray more, spend time together, talk, laugh. In the summer, we walk to the park. In winter, we love to make a fire, get lost in good novels on the couch, cuddle, nap. The Jews even have a name for the Sabbath nap, the Shabbat schluff. We schluff hard on Sabbath. Make love. Honestly, I spend a lot of time just sitting by the window being. It's like a less stressful Christmas every single week. And something happens about halfway through the day. Something hard to put language to. It's like my soul catches up to my body. Like some deep part of me that got beat up and drowned out by meetings and email and Twitter and relational conflict and the difficulty of life comes back to the surface of my heart. I feel free. Free from the need to do more, get more, be more. Free from the spirit, the evil demonic spirit of restlessness that enslaves our society. I feel another spirit, the Holy Spirit of restful calm, 
settle over my whole person, and I find that my ordinary life is enough. And hmm. Yeah, so, so thinking about that, I mean, here's how radical the Sabbath has become that we don't practice it very well. So if I said to everyone in this room, for one 24-hour period, take your cell phones, your tablets, and your devices and shut them down, like power them off. For 24 hours, how many of us could actually do it? A few. Very good. I love that y'all would have, quick, yeah. I mean, just try it. Rest. The last thing I want to tell you is that the way Jesus, I love the way that Jesus summarizes this. He says, so the man, son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus comes in and basically says to the Pharisees, You've stolen the Sabbath, and I'm here to take it back. Jesus loves you so much that he said, I've come to restore your Sabbath day, and I am the man of the Sabbath. So much so that I can be resurrected and create and bring on a brand new Sabbath that we now celebrate on Sundays. Jesus instituted an entire new Sabbath rest because his Father cares about us so much and he cares about you so much. So much so, I love the fact, the thought, that your Savior Jesus is fighting for you for the Sabbath right now. He's telling our culture, he's telling you, he's told the Pharisees, I've come to take the Sabbath back. I hope that just for a moment, I don't know what you're going to do with all this. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this because it's, it's just crazy radical. So I'm just going to pray. Let's pray. Jesus, this is, uh, this is just it's, uh, man, there's one sense in which, Lord, I just, uh, my heart wants to reject this as old, stuffy religion stuff. Like, something you created in the garden, something the Israelites did, something Jewish people did back in the day. They honored the Sabbath. But, Lord, I've, I have learned this week, just studying this, I'm deeply convicted that I, nor my family, is anywhere close to celebrating the Sabbath. Maybe the hour and a half to two hours that we come to worship, but from then on, it's our day. It's not a day of rest. It's not a day of stop and celebrate. Lord Jesus, will your spirit help us just to stop the insanity and the relentless pursuit of quote-unquote happiness, that we would find our truest rest 
And maybe just sitting by a window, maybe just spending time with family and friends and conversation, maybe just grasping the breeze and the birds and the trees, just breathing and being human again. Thank you that, Jesus, you knew what it meant to be human. And you knew that the, one of the greatest gifts that we've been given to be human is the Sabbath rest. Will you help us? In all the myriad of ways it's going to look like in this room, that just for one 24-hour period that we might stop and celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.